0: Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health awareness in men and society, mental health, emotional health, psychological health, and physical health awareness. First, it started with men. Acronym for Men Are Nuts, and we have a very special guest on the show for you today. Can you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hi, Andy. Uh, it's Ben Steele here. Good to uh, good to connect.
0: Yes, and we've um, we've been having a, a very good. Conversation and I mean, we definitely could connect, connect there definitely. Whereabouts are you? Uh,
1: so I'm in uh, sunny rural Essex today, actually. So not as sunny as it has been, Andy, but um, yeah, there's a bit, there's a bit of sun in the sky. So um, yeah, nice and quiet, actually, nice and peaceful today on a uh, on a uh, on a May Sunday uh, afternoon.
0: The only way is is that is the only way is Essex is it, is it? Yeah, only way. Yeah,
1: that's about uh, 25 minutes from where we are. So. Um, I suspect that uh, yeah, things are probably a little bit livelier in uh, in that part of Essex. But <laughs> yeah, no, nice, nice, quiet part of the countryside here.
0: <laughs> so you're in the countryside of Essex. Can you tell the, the the listeners where where would you say Essex is in terms of UK? So I mean, a lot of people know London in the sense of or know of London. Where is use, um, Essex in relation to London?
1: Yeah. So it is. I guess it's. Sort of, if you were leaving London, you'd sort of head out, sort of east. Mm. Um, So heading out towards the um, towards sort of coast. Um, Essex is a fairly big um, county, I think. So um, you know, there's different directions to head in towards. Um, I uh, I'm out. I'm about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from the coast, uh, just outside a town called Colchester. Um, It's nice, actually. Yeah, it's nice. Nice and rural. It's you know, it's, it's close enough for me to commute when we're in a when we're in a in uh, in a in a normal environment and um, but yeah again nice and peaceful when I'm uh, when I'm away and back family. What
0: are, what are things like at the moment in Essex in terms of uh, with, the, with the pandemic and the, the virus I mean we'd, obviously I don't know we can go into that maybe a bit later but what what's things like what are the streets like there is it quiet or are people getting about now or?
1: I mean, it's an interesting one, right? So I suspect that, you know, everyone gives you a fairly similar answer in the sense that, you know, it's quiet, uh, you know, not much happening. Everyone's, you know, trying to navigate through, you know, things like shopping, et cetera. One of the things though that, and I'm sure, again, this is, people are seeing this in, in other parts of the country uh, and in other parts of the world, actually, is it's actually become a much friendlier society. Mm. Um, so I've tried to get out um, for a walk or a run in the evenings um after work and i'm finding that all of a sudden everyone's smiling and saying hello to each other you know this idea of you know strangers talking to each other um albeit in passing is so it's certainly for us sort to of become a, a much nicer society um and i certainly hope that you know the idea of us being sort of a, a welcoming sort of way more a hi how you doing um hopefully that's something that continues um sort of post um, post-pandemic, because that's been quite nice actually, um, and yeah, I think you know there's clearly it's 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 a stressful time for everybody, right? And um, I, I, you know the idea of us all standing outside our homes on a on a, on a Thursday evening clapping you know, those that are helping support and navigate us through these terrible terrible times again it feels like it's something it's the old sort of British spirit from sort of wartime days, um, so that's been quite that's been quite nice.
0: And it's, and two things you said there, which which kind of struck me was when well it says three things, but the two things I'm going to mention is that the the part where you're where in a sense going out where people are going out going for a walk, whereas that you just said oh yeah you know, now I get I get an opportunity to go for a walk. You know people in the jobs maybe you know, like say getting home late or whatever don't have that don't maybe feel that they have that time to go for a walk. And now all of a sudden there's an opportunity to get to go out to go for a jog. Go for a cycle um, and go for a walk, and then obviously, like you said and then the next thing is is saying hello to people and, and you know that's always struck me you know, I've, you know, I've spoke to you and said that, you know I'm a bit of a deep thinker, but it's always struck me this and and it's, and the true thing is that the people always i'm not saying always, but there's this thing to do with going on an airplane where people become a bit more friendlier because obviously everybody's in the same boat, no matter how yes. Even if you sat sat at the front of the plane, um, you know, they call it, uh, it, used to be first class and they call it first class anymore. Um, even if you sat at the first plate, back of the plane or at the front of the plane, we're all in the same boat. And if if that plane goes down, anything's supposed to happen, we're all in it together. So it's almost it becomes that thing of, like you said, everybody says, you, know, you get people saying a hello to you. Obviously you're going to get the odd person not saying, but you, it becomes that thing, isn't it? You join this pandemic, people are starting to say hello it doesn't matter what background they're from or old or young they're saying hello to you on your journey so which is which is an interesting um phenomenon so for you then um it's it's been it's been quiet you know like you said people getting out about and people saying hello what in terms of health and mental health what's your take on mental health and 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 psychological health and things like that
1: I mean, so um, so I'll go back. I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of my I guess my background and my history that probably helps bring this one to life. So um, I grew up in a small seaside town, um, actually not too far from where I live. Um, was sort of a you know uh, one of two uh, one of two brothers. Um, my parents ran the sort of local the main sort of pub and nightclub in the town. Um, so we were sort of the sort of one of the most sort of known families in the in the town and you know i remember being a sort of a teenager and this is kind of where this sort of story starts for me really i remember being a teenager um, and sort of being not 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 and not knowing why but sort of not really being comfortable with the sort of shoes i was walking in in the sense that you know i looked around me so my mum and dad and brother sort of thrived in that sort of very public sort of visible sort of environment and I as a natural introvert sort of just didn't really feel like i fitted in um, and I sort of remember being sort of mid-teens and just not really feeling like I sort of fitted or belonged um, and then that carried so I think you know again you know, hindsight would now make it a bit clearer of what was going on at that point but that sort of carried then through the sort of next sort of 10 to 15 years so for me this idea of you know I was existing in life and um, the sort of language I would probably use now thinking back to then was you know it was it was a very very lonely and isolating existence um, and to something that I just felt lost so you know I would you know I would be I would be you know out with friends or out with family or I would be at work and I would be seen to be you know there and involved, but essentially, I wasn't particularly present. You know, I I just felt like I didn't really belong, um, and you know, drifted through life for, for several several years. Um, I mean, coincidentally, sort of at a broadly at a similar time. Um, I and again, this dates back to sort of early teens. Actually, I um, I started to have a problem with gambling, um, right. and actually, by get my sort of late teens. Um, I'd become a like a fully fledged gambling addict, and again didn't really know we didn't really have the clarity of what that meant at that point um so I sort of had this i mean I would say sort of addiction and um de- depression, which is essentially what I was ultimately diagnosed with are uh, they make for they make for good bedfellows in a very very toxic very very toxic way and um so I literally drifted through life without any sense of who I was. It's very difficult to say I was like a shadow of my former self because there was no real former self. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So I was just a shadow, really. I was just, you know, and hiding in plain, you know, hiding from life in plain sight, essentially. Um, And I got to sort of my my late twenties, and I think started to realise that this just can't be normal, right? So what, what, how I felt, and you know, this idea of the fact that, you know. Everyone around me just seemed to be having a ball, and I just didn't really seem to, you know, my idea of a, a good day for me was like a like a seven out of ten, but my sort of my default was like a four or five out of ten, right? And it just didn't feel like it, just didn't feel right anymore. And I just, I just slowly come to the conclusion that something needed to change. And um, sort of lateish twenties, and uh, was fortunate enough to find my way into. Sort of Gamblers Anonymous and into those rooms to get support, and then a couple of years later, um, finally managed to sort of find myself uh, in with a doctor uh, being treated for sort of a mild form of depression, um, and that was great because again, as nasty as those two things were um, in isolation and also together, actually being able to be treated for both at broadly a similar time actually then. I was then able to sort of start to slowly sort of put my life back together um, and that you know from sort of 30 onwards, I'm early 40s now, from sort of 30 onwards it's just been a sort of a, a, sort of a, a journey of renewal uh, and sort of rediscovery and sort of personal growth um, and you know the, the, the gambling, thankfully I, I, I remain in recovery and there's been one or two relapses since, but generally speaking I, I remain in recovery, Some a good structure behind me. And that's given me, you know, a lot more um, time and and ability to think about sort of my my mental health, uh, and you know the ongoing challenges that that will present um, at given points in time. Um, And it certainly does. You know, there are there continues to be you know good days and and lots of good days, but certainly I feel far more equipped for that now than I than I have been in the uh, you know in the the previous years.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's it's um. It's funny. It's funny depression, and how how we as humans um, can deal with things. Deal with things during you know not knowing that we are depressed and not knowing the symptoms or signs. Um, and um, you know, I always, I always bring up um, the, the, the footballer. You know, it's funny because we, we question things, and we, it's not until it happens to us that we realize. I remember the, the you know the footballer. You know, I won't say his name, but you remember him. You know, one of the best, you know, one of the best footballers at the time, and you know, had the world at his feet, and all of a sudden he was saying, "Oh, I've got depression." And people, people always associated not having depression with someone who's got loads of money. This is what I mean someone who's wealthy yes. and who's got who's yeah. rich. Um, you can't be depressed. You've, you've got the world at your feet. You, you know, you're earning millions of pounds. Well, that, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't equate to whether you're depressed or not. Um So for you 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 kind of did you feel it, when you were a young younger age let's say like you're under ten or twelve or whatever did you feel did you have many friends how did you feel at that age if you can remember and what what was it that made you feel like oh I didn't belong what you know was there any was there any signs of you know somebody you know not having any friends or was it um you didn't was it you know was it rivalry in terms of sibling rivalry what was it?
1: I mean it's a, I think it's a really good question so for me like, you know, like primary school age you know primary school years were were fantastic from from memory right they were full of everything that uh, uh, you know uh, 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 an age at that point should be you know fun um, you know friends frolic family and everything else I think I was a um you know, I'm a relatively smart guy and I was a relatively smart boy and I think by the time I hit secondary school, um I guess a combination of, you know, the 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 transition and hormones coming as I hit you know puberty age plus all of a sudden then the social dynamics around friendships and all that kind of good stuff. And again, if you'd have looked at me, um, you know, I was part of the in crowd, you know, I was part of a sort of an affluent working class family, so I didn't I got to do a lot of things that others didn't um so i I, I think outsiders looking in probably looked at me and thought that i had absolutely everything you know and and maybe more um than 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 they could even that they could even um, than want for um but just this idea of the fact that you know none of that ever really felt right to me and you know and then being in sort of a sort of a fairly sort of prominent um sort of public eye in terms of, you know, what my parents did, just sort of thrust me nervously into it was about, you know, the family name, it was about who you were, um, as a as a name rather than who you were as an individual. Um and I just think, you know, rightly or wrong, I just I don't think I was ready and built maturity wise for some of the challenges that would be thrown at, you know, kids at that age. Um and I remember being probably about thirteen or fourteen and laying in the bath one day and just not wanting to just not wanting to be here anymore. I didn't really understand why. Um and I I I I just I just couldn't cope. I think I think life just seemed for me far too complicated. Um and I think I, I struggled to sort of understand um to sort of make sense of it all. Yeah. And obviously you know, we're 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 talking about the sort of late eighties, right? So yeah. the idea of a of a teenager even really understanding what what they were going to and what that meant let alone then having the ability to find somebody to talk to about it and sort of help them make sense of it is, you know that, that was a that was a, I mean, that was a different generation so yeah again you know on the face of it and that would have continued into my sort of you know early adult years again yeah. you know, circle of friends was fine yeah. um, there were you know as I hit sort of tw- my 20s there were a series of and actually in my 30s there's been a series of sort of life challenges quite and, uh, stressful and and, fraught, and sometimes horrendous life challenges that have been thrown up along the way, um, and you know life's just been at times just been incredibly difficult. Um, as if somehow you know someone's given me a version of life that's sort of you know the, like the codes broke. It's like a it's like a computer game where somehow there's a different way of playing it than than what I've been learned to. Yeah, yeah. And you know it's things that people seem to be able to glide through. Um, You know, for me, just felt a little too difficult at times
0: Did you ever feel close to, um, like you said, you spoke to and said You know, should I really be here or why am I here Did you ever feel close to, you know, suicide Or did you ever feel feel like, oh, this, you know, I'm not going to, this is it I'm not going to, or did it never, it never got to that point
1: I, I, this is a really difficult one for me because obviously, you know, I, I, that's a horrendous situation for anybody to be in. And, you know, there are members of my extended family that have, um, have taken away lives. Yeah. Um, so, to sort of, I wouldn't want to be like, bullish as to say, yes, I've thought about it. Um, but at the same time, I guess the best way I could probably describe it is um, window shopping, right? So, know, there's been times where I my mind has wandered to the point that I've maybe thought about well if I did how would that work, right? So what's the what 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 would I need to do? Um, how would I need to do it? That doesn't mean to say I'll start getting on the internet and and, and searching and researching, but my mind certainly wandered at times. I mean in a weird way, I guess for me I think my mind was so foggy at times that it lacked the presence of mind to conclude the idea of something like that yeah yeah so I think you know that that probably and I've read a bit on suicide one of the things that um, would appear to be the case is that people have this sort of moment of clarity at a point um, which to some extent is one of the sort of you know final triggers Um, for me I never had that I never in the same way that I never really in terms of addiction or depression I never really had um, a rock bottom the idea of a rock bottom for me is a sort of a bit of an abstract concept you know again the, the clarity the, I never had the clarity of thought to think okay well you know god forbid I want to I want to you know I want to take my own life yeah, yeah. Um, certainly as I've got older and I guess I've been able to rationalise a bit more um, I think the challenge there when I've had you know some incredibly low points is you know family members and you know having children etc um it's 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 a it's been a it's been a good anchoring point. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, you know, I, I would I would have said that my mind has wandered um, several times over the course of the last sort of twenty plus years, um, but never to the point that um, never to the point that um, I've, I would say I've seriously contemplated it. Mm. Having said that, I think if I if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have stopped gambling, um, I mean I was a serious 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 problem gambler. Um, if i if i hadn't stopped um, it would be very difficult to to imagine a world where I would still be here yeah. right now because one way or another I think that was a that was a path of complete and utter complete and utter self destruction and as I say went quite nicely with um, complemented depression quite nicely um, in a sense that you know essentially my the paradox for me with with addiction and depression is that I think part of the reason why I was so addicted to gambling was it was a way of kind of, it appeared to be a way of controlling my own misery, so rather than replacing it with the misery that somehow was out there in the world that I couldn't contemplate, do you know what, if I was sort of creating my own, if I was a master of my own destruction then somehow I had control over it Um, and obviously addiction clearly doesn't work that way right but um, Actually, then controls you anyway, so um, yeah, it's it's it was a you know, it was a, it was a certainly a difficult and dark few years. And there, you know, there are I'm 43 this year, there are you know, aspects of my life, there are parts of my life, I just don't really remember the details to it. It's as yeah, if yeah, yeah. I, yeah. you know that period of my life is sort of greyed out, yeah. Um, and, you know, often you know, my, my wife will ask me about you know, things that happened when I was growing up or in my 20s, and also. There, and there'll be specific questions. Do you remember this or do you remember that? And I'll be like, I, I don't remember the specifics. I, I, I literally don't remember it, as yeah, if yeah. somehow been, somebody
0: else was somebody else was living my life for yeah. me at that point. Yeah, it's been it's kind of been blanked out. I'm not even raised; it's been blacked out, and you've you've skipped past that point to the next point. Um, in terms of what you, when we speak about gambling, what were you was it? What were you was you betting on horses? What what were you gambling on?
1: yeah so it started on horses i mean we're we're talking back to the days of dial-up internet um <laughs> yeah. so i think i got, got grown up in a seaside town and some of this is i think a combination of nature and nature growing up in a seaside town the amusement arcades yeah yeah um yeah. you know, work for my parents um even at a very very young age of collecting glasses and stuff and that was a common place to just go and spend all your money in the amusement arcades that progressed um over the years my dad was a my dad was a fond damn little bit he managed to keep that in check. Um, and I just naturally sort of almost graduated up to uh, gambling with, back in the world where, you know, it was a bit easier to get then get credit. So then it started to be gambling on credit. Um, and it got out of control. Probably by the time I was I don't know, 16, 17. Um, it, it was, you know, it was fully out of control at that point.
0: When did, um, when, did you, when did you start, you said? when did you say you started
1: so I, was, I started some amusement arcades back when I was sort
0: of 11 or 12
1: oh, Okay, yeah. So escalated. Um, yeah. thinking of a generation in the 80s where yeah, you were yeah. sort of allowed out you were out for the day parents as long as you were back by tea time parents weren't typically you know, checking up on your whereabouts so yeah. Uh, yeah we would spend days on end in there and I think you know with some of the other challenges I had about not fitting, fitting in and stuff the idea of either being in a betting shop the horses was my main uh, this was my, my main predilection but the idea of being in a betting shop just tied in you know in a, in a world where generally speaking no one particularly wanted to talk to each other and one, everyone was in there for, a, for the same specific reason um, and, I, and I could sort of hide uh, and while away the hours that then became days etc um, was a was a good fit for my mental state at the time yeah, it's um, up, and, that, and then when obviously playing into that then when the, the internet came around was mainstream. The ability to not even have to leave your home to just do it was 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 almost um, too good to be true for me, yeah. um, and it escalated, and and it escalated quickly, you know. And I look back now in major events of my life in sort of my early twenties, you know, losing family members and stuff. And again, the main things I remember from those events is. My gambling at the time, so you know, my lamb, lamb passed around in 2002. And I remember spending thousands and thousands of pounds gambling the next day. Um, oh, yeah. And, I, You know, it's 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 a sad, it's a sad indictment of the the sort of memories that I'd created for myself back then um, about how I would use you know things such as as gambling as a as a, as a crutch essentially for, to deal with. The, know or, or to not deal with and not have to face to dealing with some of the challenges that, that life was throwing at me um, and as I say there's been several several um, quite awful uh, situations that have happened even in the last 10 years that thankfully I've been much better equipped for um, there's certainly I certainly still have my low points but I haven't felt the need to revert back to sort of that version of me from, from many many years ago
0: yeah yeah and what you're saying there is um um, you kind of, you kind of um, looking at it in kind of retrospectively as well, and introspectively, is that your you gambling became a coping mechanism for your, for what you were going through, for your your your, your mental health, and what you saw as um, you not fitting in and, and struggles and 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 I say the, the start of the depression, um, you were using gambling as a tool to kind of yes, it started as a bit of fun you know, the 2P's and whatever it is, and the 2P machines and things yeah. like that. And then it escalates to this massive thing um, where you start, like you say, it becomes, it becomes a lot harder um, to deal with um, as you get older. It's funny because, you know, as you as you get older, you, you tend to get a bit wiser, but but then the wiser you are in terms of gambling is that you end up with more money and you end up spending more money. Yes. Um, what, for you in that sense, you know, for, you know. Obviously, people listening out there will be, what? how did you feel when things were when you were winning, and then how how did you feel when you might have lost? And you know, was was a loss? Was in in terms of loss, was a small loss as big as, you know, did that impact you as much as a uh, a big loss, or did it not even impact you at all?
1: Well, I think I again, I think. Uh, I, you know, in the in the in the last few years of gambling, it wasn't really about winning or losing. It was just a process. It was just yeah. learned behaviour.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and actually, um, you know, it was the outcomes were almost irrelevant. irrelevant now, that yeah. clearly, yeah. losses were relevant because you know that meant that, that, that there was a you know that there was, there was there was money being lost. But actually, the the wins, um, you know, the the sort of upturning um, sort of uh sort of mental state or even adrenaline that the, the, they had very little impact you know a win would typically just be followed with another bet right um it would be like you know winning the uh, olympic you know gold medal and then literally just finishing the race and starting another race right it wasn't really about winning it was just about it was just about a process uh, and obviously losses were tough right so you know losses could be they could be age-defining, right? If you were, if you were, I mean, I, 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 I'd probably be total gambled in in my lifetime um, is seven figures. Um, so, you know, essentially, it got to a point where, you know, big bets could have losses on big bets could have, you know, significant implications on the, on the next, you know, ten years in terms of my sort of um, economic existence and the ability to, you know. Have a family, move home, etc., etc., um, and sort of, the, and some of the, the debts that were sort of now start to accumulate and follow me around. I mean, fortunately, from my own perspective, I always, I, through all of this, I was able to work and actually forge a yeah. relatively career. So, to some extent, that was almost my sort of saving grace, and in, in a lot of ways, really was my true sort of support mechanism, my true crutch. But um, yeah, the the. The low, as long as the, for me, it's like all addictions, right? As long as you were always, it was always about the next bet. So, win or lose, as long as there was the ability to have the next bet, then things were never quite finished, right? It was typically at the end, the end of the day or, you know, when you run out of money, then the reality then sit in and again, it's like, you know, the day had been a blur. I can't quite figure out how I'd got to that point. And yet I had, and I was even, you know, significantly better off or in most instances it's significantly worse off and then life would then be about or the immediacy, would be about trying to work out oh crikey how do i what do i need to do next to face into this right so is it you know is it more and more is it you know i've got to do something different you know I've, i've got to go and apologize to someone because i promised i would do something for that day and i didn't um and you know i saw Know, several, several relationships, um, whether it be with friends or partners, family members that were, to a large extent, destroyed over that period, yeah. uh, and that's you know, difficult to look na- back now and sort of reflect on. Um, I remember mean, my, my regrets are more about I let other people down other than you know my own personally. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's 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 it, it's difficult in the sense that. You know it would be very, very easy to look back and have regret you know there are as i said before the idea of rock bottom for me and addiction doesn't really make any sense i've had several rock bottoms they've not necessarily been addiction or depression related they've been other life event related yeah um for me addiction and depression were just one long numb existence yeah. um, with very very few peaks and clearly there would have been some uh You know some punctuations of joy along the way, but they weren't overly memorable as such. Um, And the low points again was just more of a of of a humming of sort of you know sort of to some extent of pain and misery um, that was to a large extent being driven by my own behaviour and my own choices, which were being sort of fed by my sort of mental state.
0: Yeah, and did you did you have did you did any of your family family members know that what was happening? Did you ever tell them? Did you tell them later on, or did they know something was happening, or did just they were just kind of blindsided? You didn't, you didn't mention it.
1: I think pretty much everybody who was close to me knew I had an issue. Now again, um, the extent to which they they understood that issue or knew the extent of it, I think, it's, it's, will vary. I mean, my my family situation growing up was a complex one. My mum and dad were in a we're in a um, 30 year 30 year plus very toxic marriage Um, my mum's spoken quite openly in recent years um about the sort of emotional abuse she suffered from my dad so my 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 parents were distracted by um, by other things let's just say Um, so uh, i guess you know again hindsight would suggest that i maybe would have benefited from Sort of a, a different parenting strategy, um, but you know, being a parent now, I realize how difficult it is to sort of, yeah. you know, to juggle the demands of your own life and what, you, what what's going on in your own mind mentally, with, with, with you know, raising kids, etc. And I just think my parents just they just they just had other things to be distracted by. Well, they were they were loving in the way that in 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 the way that they were, um, and certainly so my mom was a was a fantastic and is a fantastic woman. Um, but I think you know to suggest that they enabled me with somehow suggest I'm transferring some responsibility to them, less about that and more about the fact that I think they knew they kind of knew what I'd become I don't think they knew I don't think they knew how to um how to, to how to help me how to, to to support me um and i I think to some extent much the same as many other addicts these I think many people feel that sort of helping them is to to, is to almost to some extent sort of give them what they need in the short term, which obviously then just compounds the it compounds the problem. Yeah, um, yeah and again, you know, my brother um, in his late teens um, formed uh, an addiction to, to alcohol, so he's been an alcoholic for, for well twenty five plus years now. I think he's a couple of years older than me, yeah. um, and he's been on a he's been on a he's had a horrendous life, and never really never really managed to pull that back together he's had a you know he's had several severe um, health issues as a result of his alcoholism he's had a stroke um and you know he he can't work now he's a he's a a great guy but you know he's a he's definitely a a shadow of what he was growing up which was a young gregarious very good looking charming guy um so yeah so and, and again my 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 parents were mid 2000s um, up until that point you know somehow they'd learned to f- function together in somewhat form of a dysfunctional way uh, my dad then in his sort of mid 50s um, for whatever reason then you know turned to alcohol and in the in the space of probably about five years um, became uh, an acute alcoholic and, and drunk himself to death so um, clearly it would suggest that backstory would suggest that there's something in our DNA I know Different people have different views on whether um, addiction is a, is a is a is encoded in people's DNA, but there would be some suggestion that there's something that are underlying DNA that, that that sort of is common. Um, but again, you know, people's ability to sort of wrestle with that versus you know putting some structure and uh, managing to sort of get their lives back on track, I think is is different. It's a different journey for different people, for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that that you said this thing to do with nature, nurture and, and you know, what's happening because it's, it's, yeah, and what's interesting about that story is that you, and let's not say it happens in, in, in everywhere for everybody is that you, like you say, you grew up in a, in a seaside place you, you, you around, in a sense um, gambling machines and, and obviously things like alcohol being in, you know um, in a pub and things like that um, so those, yeah. You know, again, we can we can go into those things and think but whether those things play a part in the role of somebody, I mean, not everybody who who has a problem becomes an alcoholic, but it, it depends on what's happening in their lives and what's going what they're going through. It's something that they can readily turn to. Um, so for you, what was your? You um, I mean you you mentioned it briefly at the beginning, and you kind of kind of. Said, what was it that made you then? What came first? Was it you getting help for? The, is it are you recognising, oh, I'm an, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an addict or I am depressed? Which one was it that you were first getting help for? Which one was it that yes. you recognised, I'm going to get help for this, maybe this will help that? So I so in,
1: in 2004, I um, found myself in um, uh, a Gambler's Anonymous support group for the first time, May 2004. Um, which was the start right so it was it was it was that before it was um i hadn't been i didn't go to the doctors um about my sort of mental health can i ask you another how, couple of-
0: how how did you find yourself there you said you found what made you what was it that made you be there or get there was it was it was did somebody say to you you need help or is it you was it you or your mental health saying oh you know what i need to get help with this
1: yeah i mean i i i um I think I just arrived at a point, and maybe to some extent, maybe this is sort of my nuanced version of a rock bottom, in the sense that I just realised I got to a point where I just couldn't continue doing what I was doing. Um, I'd realised, you know, quite obviously how self-destructive I was, um, and you know, I, I just knew that I didn't, I didn't have much left in me to continue to live a life and exist in the way in which I had. I think I'd I'd sort of entertained the idea of seeking help for addiction for a while before I actually went. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably took me I don't know, a few months to get to a position where I was ready to to sort of walk through those doors. Um, but yeah, so it was it was sort of driven by me. I didn't tell anybody I was going. Um, I think as much for any other reason that I didn't wanna I didn't want to make like any commitments yeah, so sure you
0: recognised you recognised it you recognised it in yourself then you recognised that you 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 had this you, it wasn't like somebody it wasn't like a, you know, an eye-opening thing or anything Like you kind of you was almost like self-aware in the sense that I know that I've got this maybe I just need to do something about this
1: yes yeah and I, I think that you know I, I bear in mind probably at that point I was what 27 so I'd had some form of a problem um, with gambling for the best part of 15 years, right? So and that was over half my life at that point. So, you know, it's it, it clearly taken me a number of the adult years to really try and process what was happening. And obviously the depression at that point was still sort of undiagnosed. So that's very really difficult to separate the addiction from the sort of, the, the, for the mental health. Um, and really at that point, I guess I was just looking for a way out. Um, or an answer now, whether it was an answer for the addiction, or an answer for the depression, or or a combination of two, um, I guess is unclear. But my sense was that, and it comes back to that point about you know the consideration of taking my own life. I think that at that stage, I knew I couldn't continue. I, for whatever reason, had decided that the route that I was probably the brave enough to take um, was one of uh, of help yeah. support rather than one of you know one of suicide um and, you know, I'm, and I'm grateful to myself i think for having the presence of mind to do that yeah. and actually you know i think i was clearly ready for um i was ready for support i was i was i was obviously ready in hindsight i was obviously ready to ask for support um and actually the first couple of years uh, having walked through the, the doors in in, in those meetings
0: um was really the start of the sort of turnaround around my life yeah yeah so you you've had support um and then was it a case of you being signposted for your depression or did you to say you know what this did you recognize yourself that you had depression then or what was it that helped you to recognize that
1: no so i think i think one of the good things about um about going to support group for gambling was that it gave me a structure to put around my life that was wholly productive and helped me then give me the breathing, the structure um, of not going gambling gave me the opportunity to then focus on myself as a yeah. human being and yeah. exactly what was going on and again at that point it was still very much focused on the addiction and not on anything else but sort of after a couple of years I sort of realised that you know from a from a from addiction standpoint, I was in relatively good shape, albeit you know it's still a long road to recovery, and a lot of the time I was still taking things day at a time. But I still didn't feel any better, right? Mentally, I still didn't feel any better. Um, between giving up gambling and sort of um, uh, seeking help for depression, I'd you know, left the relationship, um, so fiancé and I had split up. I'd, in in the space of a few years, then met somebody else uh, and we'd had a baby quite quickly. And I think it was the having a child that really, really like crystallized for me that, and again, you know, I was pleased to be having a child, but I didn't feel like I was reacting as positively to that as everybody else around me who was having kids, right? So again, suggested that something wasn't quite quite right. And I think the idea of raising a child, feeling the way I did, was the trigger for me to go and seek professional help, um, and my wife—I um, don't think we were at the time—but my, my wife and I um, went to the to the to the doctors um, and went for the process of essentially being diagnosed with um, with mild depression. And again, you know, pleased to say that um, that process in itself was wholly productive at the time. You know, I was given. And medication that I took for a number of years it, 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 it leveled me out right so it didn't it didn't I didn't become a uh, an 8 out of 10 sort of guy um, but what it did was it sort of it let it leveled out the sort of troughs and life became sort of slightly less numbing in terms of you know my existence and all of a sudden you know the idea of you know life being a bit more productive Know, a bit more happy and a bit more healthy it all seemed very very achievable uh, and with a child um on the way um i think timing was timing was very very good
0: yeah and and you and you obviously you say that you you had a child you you, you know you've you've got the support of your wife and you know what was what was your job situation like you know are you still in the the, the the job that you that you were then or have you changed
1: I mean, that's a really interesting question because the only constant, I think, in my entire life, from sort of um, sort of to pre 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 um, supports pre gambling supports. So, two thousand two, I started with my current employer, so I, and I've worked for the same place ever since. Hmm. Um, so, in, in some regards, I've kind of grown up, like properly grown up, in the time that I've worked there. Um, and you know, I a lot of this was potentially quite hidden from from my colleagues Um, but I found the work environment to be an incredibly um, positive and supportive environment and I had you know a small number of very very close friends there um, who were incredibly supportive um, of me who were much much more closely aware of the challenges that I was facing Um, and I think the support network I had at um, at Gamblers Anonymous and the support network I had at work um, are to a large extent a, 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 a key component of kind of my sort of road to recovery yeah. um, and you know a, a, and work um, and the, I guess for some reason it's almost why I'm emotionally attached to the to the, to the company that I work for is, is that you know it's it's supporting me through so much um, that weirdly there's a there's there's a almost a, a much closer relationship between me and and that company Um which yeah, again, I'm incredibly grateful for because it, in the, this entire time, actually, I've managed to build a, a, what I would say is a relatively successful career, notwithstanding the fact that you know if I hadn't have had you know gambling issues and, and if I probably had not suffered from depression in the way that I had, or if I'd have sought, or if I'd have sought help earlier, there's every chance that I'd be you know a greater, more successful, etc. But the realities are that you know some days. I'll look in the mirror and actually just be grateful for how I've somehow managed to sort of pull all this together um, and be at a point in my sort of life where, you know, I've got a happy, happy, healthy family, you know, I've got a successful career uh, and now I'm in a position where I'm able to, with these experiences, think about how I can help and support others.
0: Yeah, and it's funny how you say, you know, what you said previously, when you just said there a couple of sentences ago when you said... um, um, you know what would happen if what would, you're basically saying what would have happened if this didn't happen? And you you know pinpointed on success and really your success um, in terms of your life is is really that you're here um, and you've been able to um, get through something which is which which has been debilitating um, and and that you struggled with. So you you know that's that's sometimes we, we put success on you know. Monetary things and things like that. And quite often, those things, those things, don't actually define us. It's it's the things that, uh, that we, we that the things that we go through. Um, like you said, you've gone through so many things. There, you know, um, you know, you, you could have been you could have been your brother. You know, you you your brother is struggling and 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 you know gambling that different types of addiction, which is alcohol. Now. Yeah. Um, again that could have been that could have been you if you see what i mean that could have been you know knocking on death's door that could have been you but you've managed to you've managed to be, you know, almost like have a job and be self aware and also you've 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 now managed to get a, a, you know have a child you've got a you know a wife a supporting wife and you and you've still managed to maintain your job so for for your for your journey then um how how do you see life now how do you see you know the, the bigger picture and and you know is there, is there a lot more joy in your life now
1: so i mean i think it's a it's a it's a really good question right so i think that um what philosophically how do i look at life now right so i certainly try and look at it as a glass half full rather than the glass half empty um, and i'm grateful for, for for where i am and what i've got Um, and I mean sort of friends, family rather than physical or material possessions. Um, Your point about sort of my success being my sort of, the fact I'm still here, certainly some days um, I look in the mirror and it's a day that's full of regret, whereas other days I generally am grateful somehow that I am still in existence. um, And, you know, there have been, i alluded to it earlier, but there's been, you know, the situation with the the events that, that led to my father's death in 2009 were absolutely horrendous I think if I wasn't in a sound mental state and I wasn't in a good place from a recovery standpoint my reaction to that would have been completely different Um, similarly uh, my wife and I had a child uh, we had a son who was stillborn in 2012 which was by far and away the lowest point in my life Um, and I can't even begin to imagine and explain what that felt like for my wife again I was in a position where Combination of you know my sort of the the, the mental state I was in, which was relatively positive in in advance of that, Um, and the fact that from a recovery addiction recovery standpoint I was in I was in pretty good shape. So I I had good structures and good disciplines and healthy aspects of my life. Um, That meant that when things like this happened, that I was able to withstand those. Right. So I had stronger foundations. Right. These things were not these are big life events right horrendous life events that were, would sweep would have and could have swept me off my feet at any point and yeah. taken me in any or who knows any direction yeah. you know and there's the certain situations my brother my brother has been in a coma because of, cause, cause of the stroke um, we have found him before in a pool of his own blood where he's 20 minutes away from dying he's been on life support again all these things are things that have happened post my sort of road to recovery from an addiction and from a, from, a, um, from a depression standpoint and I just wouldn't have had the wherewithal um, to have withstood one, if not several of these. Um, so would I, you know, did I want to be stress tested or have I wanted to be stress tested so much over the course of the last 10 years? No, of course not. And, you know, some horrible, horrible things have happened to some people who I, who I love dearly. Having said that, Actually, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be in a position where I've been able to to survive and get through those, again, with the support, with the healthy and wonderful support of others. um And there's a there's a there's a sort of a story and message of hope, I think, in that quite bleak, um, that quite bleak and quite sad story. And that's kind of what I retain. You know, I look now, I'm looking out outside it's quite bright and today's now about for looking for the they're looking for the the brightness in the sky rather than sort of focusing on the clouds and certainly the 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 philosophy I'm trying to carry going forward now is is exactly that is to try and look for you know the 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 endless hope and possibilities that are out there um, rather than agonise over too much of what's happened and brought me to this point
0: yeah definitely And, and you know when I was saying there about, I mean, I wasn't. When I was saying about you could be in a certain position that you could be, you you know. When I was saying that you could be your brother or, or in that situation because you both were part, you know, both had um, an addiction. It's what yes. it's what what I was saying about that is that what you're here, you're you're both here, but one you in a sense when I when I look at it is that I'm I I was a twin and my twin died, so. I'm looking and thinking well my I'm here there's a reason why I'm here um and the reason there's a reason why I'm here, and he isn't and and maybe that reason is to go and do this podcast or to help people or, do you see what yeah. I mean so it's almost like yeah. it, it's almost this thing to do with you know looking into yourself and thinking you know this is my this is this is my journey I've been on it and it's not to say oh it could have been worse or it could have been this but, but the bottom line is I've, I've done I'm doing I'm on my journey and this has happened to me and I might get a few lows or I might go a few downs or whatever it may be but um I'm here I'm here to tell the tale I'm here to to maybe inspire others I'm here to be here for my wife or my son I'm even here for you know maybe even here for my brother to to you know you know to to, for, to get some strength off um so, like, like, you know, I think that's the reason why I was saying that. So, for you, um, you you've done all these things, and you've, you've, what? How do you, you've, you, you said a brilliant thing about the clouds, and, and, uh, you know, it's a brilliant, brilliant line there. What would you say, um, for you, in terms of helping, you know, what, what would you like to see your, where would you like to see your message go, in terms of helping others? Would you, would you, would it be something that you'd like to speak about in terms of? being on podcasts or um, being a speaker or just people to hear your story
1: um that's a really good question actually because I think again I've arrived at this point in my life where it sort of feels like there's a story that I want to tell I'm not quite sure kind of how I want to do that yeah um and and the extent to which people want to hear it um but certainly you know I guess for me it's difficult that there's, there's 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 not like a big headline message in there right for me other than the fact that you know these things we we can as individuals with our own challenges you know there is there is the opportunity to 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 get through these things i mean the the serenity prayer that's practiced in you know all of the different support groups alcoholics anonymous colours anonymous Narcots, narcotics anonymous etc which is you know grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference, you know, it's never more true. It's that it's that courage, you know, that, I think that courage is in all of us. Um, for some, it's more obvious than others. Um, and the idea of, you know, if this story helps, you know, a few others understand, maybe some of the challenges that they're, they're going through, understand that it's entirely, entirely fine and and it's the right thing to do to, go and talk to somebody about that and seek help and that help might just be a friend or a family member um that it's you know it's generally okay to not be okay and we particularly as men this is why i'm a big fan of the the podcast and the idea that as men you know it's really it really is okay to be talking about these kind of things right um and there's a brave new world out there where you know guys can can have a discussion about stuff that's on their minds um, and not have to keep that to themselves or bottle that up anymore. Um, and you know, the old adage is still continue to run through, right? The problem shared is a problem halved. Just the ability to be able to have a conversation with somebody and know that somebody is kinda of, somebody's got your back, right? And that someone is looking out for you, they're checking in on you, they might not be able to actually do anything for you. So to have somebody else who is looking out for you and caring for you. Um, is incredibly incredibly powerful, and I owe a lot of what I am today to others. You know, whether that be a stoic, absolutely resilient, and you know, inspirational mother. Um, uh, you know, a wonderful, brave, uh, incredibly brave wife. And thankfully, we had twin girls a couple of years ago, which we'll never um, we'll never forget. The memory of the son that we lost, but um, is is something that we'll cherish. And again. Your point, Andy, about journeys—if if, if if our son Elijah had, had had lived, we wouldn't have had two daughters, right? We'd not have had twin twin girls. So, you know, life, unfortunately and fortunately, um, gives and takes away at, at points. Yeah. And the ability to be able to um, accept that for what it is, um, challenge it where um, where it, where it makes sense to do so. Um, and become resilient in the sense that resilience isn't just about you know taking it all um somehow we're strong and you know and' forceful, and we can just take it all for me, resilience is being able to say Do you know what i'm not having a good day, i can't cope um I need some help um and knowing that you know someone is either on the other other end of a phone um, or they are um, you know or they're there to, to talk and support you through something so you know the the for me and again in this current environment with the pandemic the idea of this you know this, this community this sense of unity you know ultimately when all said and done the the best we have for anybody is ourselves um, and you know the ability to be able to just give you know small fractions of ourselves to each other um feels like that's sort of low investment and potentially incredibly incredibly high impact
0: yeah definitely and and really really it's about um like you say it's about community spirit and love um and and that 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 kind of connection because without the connection you know we we don't we don't we don't survive you know we don't you know we don't survive you know no matter how much we tend to want to be singular we don't survive so so you're you're you know you've been on a journey you know know, what what's what's the future look like like for you in terms of you know what you want to do you know you know you're acquiring your job you know you want to see your 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 girls you know your girls growing up and what what what's 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 the bigger picture of you Spurs winning Spurs winning the league that's
1: it well that's it that's definitely a dream for sure but um (laughs) I think you know. Up until this point, I've been fiercely ambitious, um, almost to the point that. Well, certainly, I think it's been. You know, there's this there's this concept of cross addiction, and I certainly think I've become what there's a there's a professor at Wharton in the U.S. called Adam Grant. I think he coined this term. Um, uh, what did you call it? Engaged workaholic, and I certainly I'm an engaged workaholic. So, um, which is a is a function of, 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 of to some extent of cross addiction. But so I've always been fiercely ambitious. I think as I've got older um, and you know, my career's progressed, my sort of underlying sense of purpose has been um, sort of reframed somewhat away from it just being about the next big role and more about the ability to serve others. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've done some work as a department um, over the last couple of years to sort of define what our own personal sort of journey statements or purpose statements look like. And for me, I struggle to get past this idea of serving others. So whether that be in a traditional sort of customer sense, um, or whether that's in a colleague, um, or you know the the, the, the teams that work for me sense, um, or or beyond that, you know, out there in the community and friends and family and, and and everything else in between, my sense is just to be able to be there to serve others, and I don't quite know what that looks like. Um, and, I, and it sounds quite sort of it, it sounds quite ran, grandiose and, and a little bit pithy but this idea of being able to to help and support and touch the lives of others in a way that is positive to them um, and hopefully you know if if my ability to do that helps just one person be able to you know get their life into a into a happy, more productive, and positive state, then I one one it would be difficult to argue that the whole journey's not been worth it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you use two words that you that you kind of question, but really you, you should go for it. Is grandiose and pithy. You should you should use those words and take those words and and push yourself forward to like you say to go and help um, to, to go and help, try and help people, and because and you, you've got a, you've got a, you know, you've got a backstory, and quite often people, have, you know, people have spoken in the podcast and said, oh, quite often the best people to speak about certain situations, so maybe it be depression or you know, PTSD or whatever it is is those who have gone through it themselves, rather than somebody who hasn't been through it, telling you all these stats and what blah blah blah. Um, you know all these all the science you know research and what they've done and they've never been through it it's quite often the best person for it to come from is someone who's been through it himself so you'd make a you, you know you'd make a good uh, i'd say an advocate or um, mentor for that um so you know i say you know um i hope you know if you've, you you know your, your family and you know, during these times of 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 the pandemic you know i hope everyone's your family's okay you know you, you know hope everyone recovers um and you, you know you're, you're you're on your journey and I hope your journey inspires inspires others and and i hope you do something that you know i really do hope you you, you take your your journey and, and y- use it to kind of help others because um, I think it'd be you know be a brilliant thing for for people to not just hear your story but just to almost connect with you in that way like I've connected with you today um so thank you for coming on and you know talking about your journey and and what you you know what you've gone through um uh we can we can speak about um spurs spurs for those listeners out there spurs are a team in the in the <laughs> premier in the premier league um based in based tottenham hotspur based in london um you know what do you go and see them do you do you do you go and watch Spurs? you know is that part of your 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 weekend ritual what is what is this love for Spurs
1: yeah so i'm a season ticket holder for my sins have been for uh, almost twenty years now i um as one of the positive things um I, I i haven't not really connected with anyone that I grew up with with the exception of one guy um, who's a great guy and him and I have been season ticket holders for best part of 20 years so you know we we get every other week to spend and this point about sharing with other guys right? we get to spend you know an afternoon together where we'll drive down it's about an hour and a half drive for us we drive down into into London and we catch up on everything that's going on in in the world and in our lives and we share you know challenges and frustrations and then we get to shout a football match um, and then drive home in silence because we're exhausted. So, um, yeah, it's a shame this podcast almost, um, it would have been helpful, helpful to have been 12 months ago because it probably would have been a bit more full of hope from a football standpoint. <laughs> but um, it feels really weird at the minute to, to you know, we look at everything else, else that's going on around us and actually sort of football is clearly an important part of people's lives and hopefully at some point when, you know, you know, senior figures on the football side are able to figure out how we can get that back for people and I think hopefully it's going to be really really good for people's yeah.
0: mental health and people yeah. and, part to be, their life. and to be honest with you, um, sport in general is, is, a, is a massive um, it should be on it, or it could be and it is a massive part of people's lives and whether if, if you're playing it watching it it's also good for you, your mental health and also that thing like you just said about the bonding um, quite often people don't see the thing to, to do the ritual of yeah you know, for some sports, it's about going to get the pucker pie and 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 yes you know that whole thing and and that kind of is is a is is a thing that no matter what the result is no matter what the result is yes you, you, if you lose you, you you kind of come home a bit might come home a bit grumpy or whatever but it doesn't it, in a sense it doesn't last because you've you've bonded and you've you've connected and you've had a day out and or night out in or whatever it is and you know, if that's and if that's what's making you and it's keeping you happy for that moment and all that you know for the week or whatever despite the results then brilliant because then there's loads of talking points so yeah
1: it's it's almost like a microcosm of this whole discussion right because the point about well what's next is well that drive you know that drive down to to the game is full of hope and optimism of what lies ahead um, and you know some days that optimism comes to fruition, right? And another days it doesn't. But do you know what? You know, football fans that certainly the, the hardcore football fans wouldn't change that they wouldn't change that for a minute, right? That 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 build up, that journey to a game, that idea of this could be the day, um and as I say, it's full of such hope and optimism, um, punctuated with, you know, the ability to socialise and connect with, you know, friends is is a wonderful, wonderful thing, right? So, um, certainly, I think to your point, the, the wider notion of sport and people being able to get back to things that they love. Um, hopefully, for many, that's not too far away. Yeah. Um, and, until then, we will do our best to regale stories of the past uh, and look forward to the future.
0: Past former glories, <laughs> um, yeah, we know we know that very well, Liverpool. Past former glories, thirty years of hurt, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, like I say, i would just like to say thank you for coming on. And where can you be found, by the way? I mean, if there's something that you, you know, if, if you're, you know, could you be, is it something that you, you would, would want, you know, do you have a website or, you know, where can you be found?
1: No, so little old me, uh, I can be found on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest place to to, to track me down. Um, I'd love to connect with anybody to talk about anything, frankly. Um I've become um, in these later years of life. I just become thirsty and interested in life generally. Um, and if people want to connect with me to talk frankly about anything, um, and more specifically about some of the challenges that they're facing, yeah. um, I would be more than more than happy to. Um, and uh, it would be great, Andy, to connect with you again. Maybe we can have a we can have
0: another chat at some point. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And. Um... You know, um, you know. I've already, to- I've told him, for the listeners out there. I've already told him I'm a Liverpool supporter, and and, and you know, we there's there's a bit of rivalry in the um, the Champions League final. So, and he still wants to connect. He still wants to connect. So, you know, there's there's there's, there's hope for us all.
1: There is indeed. The,
0: there is indeed. The, there yeah, definitely is. Thank you, and I say thank you for coming on. And this was men are nuts. Speak to you soon.